Hello. 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 Hey, can you hear? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? You sound good as always. Okay, great. Of course, I have new gear that I got for Christmas, and I don't ever know. It's gonna be fine. Yeah. Yeah, you sound you sound good too. Um, okay. Is Alex around? Uh, let's just see. Um, he should be. Um, I noticed he asked before about uh, Skype. So I hope he knows to come on to Skype. He has to reset his Skype password. We just got to email. Okay. So... Let's just look and see. Oh, why did I do that? I have to reset my Skype password. It's not being cooperative. Shouldn't take long. All right. It really has been a very long time, it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> long spring. Yeah. Long, no, this is a winter. This is the winter. It's, it's yeah. It was a long, cold winter. <laughs> hey, I'm here. Can you hear me? Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I loud? No, you, sounds good. It sounds me. good. Good. It's been God, a while. We haven't talked to you. Yeah, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Can't complain. I was just getting the runaround from Skype because I haven't used it in so long, and it's like I had to have a code emailed, and then I hit they, they wouldn't email it to me. It took like five minutes for it to show up, and then it expired. And I hate Microsoft, but I did it. So All that's interesting. Good. What is what? Who who is Zoom? I mean, that's the the company of the pandemic for sure. Who is Zoom? Zoom's yeah, it's its own company is, for now. Zoom is Zoom. Yeah, Zoom's its own company. It's but, a uh, Chinese company. Uh, yeah. But it just works better. I don't know. There's a lot more features, and it's become the industry standard. I just, I, I just don't like it because I associate it with work. Right. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. I didn't use it until just recently. Uh, when Skype, I was trying to talk with Sean, my friend, and for some reason, the Skype program on his computer just like completely shut him out he got some kind of virus that like he couldn't access his account and i didn't really understand it but he just wasn't able to use it so we went to zoom and it's worked out a lot better since then but we're it actually it, it sounds better on zoom too the uh quality is better yeah even for, for oh jeez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> skype better. has been the synchromistic standard for years i just want you to know i hear you i hear you i didn't want to make this make the transition but <laughs> i was forced to <laughs> like funny. we all a lot of people were probably yeah anyway <laughs> how are well, you, you guys, guys we're good um, excited yeah, good yeah, I am excited about this one. I was just recalling, Zenor, that like, I think one of the, probably the first times I talked to you, I recommended you this to read this book. <clears throat> yeah, hey, I remember that too. You sent me an email and then they were like, uh, hey, do you, do you know about, <laughs> it was something weird, like book, book club 
Gaddis recognitions. Like it was just it, you put the words together like that, and I was like, what? Yeah, what, oh, that's what weird. You're I had never heard of Gaddis recognitions before that. So that that you introduced me, so I was like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? I didn't even know you guys had a book club at that time. Um, well, so. this was like even before the book club. Um, this was like long, like 2015, I think, or so. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I remember the one about the book club. You you told me to to read it for them, but I told I probably told you to read Infinite Jest, <coughs> Infinite Jest, and the recognitions. Yeah, and that so, was a that I'm was pleased. the first time I heard about it. So pleased to get the chance to talk to you about it now. Yeah, it's a good it's a good recommendation because it's a it's an awesome book. Yeah. Well, should we? Should we launch in? I'm super rusty. I haven't done a show in a long time. It's been a weird kind of strange year for sure already. Yeah, well, I just, I just, uh, I pretty much marathoned the second half of it the past four or five days. And so I just finished it about an hour ago. And uh, yeah, it's pretty fresh in my mind. So whenever, whatever. If you want to talk a bit and warm up, that's fine too. Uh, nah, I think I'm ready. What do you want to do, Snor? No, let's yeah, let's just go into it. <clears throat> All right. Where am I going to start this big book? Huh. All right, here we go. Uh, we'll call that. All right. To end there. Or almost end. Wait, that's not where I want to start. <clears throat> right here. Did I, I cut off your final point, Zanor? What were you saying? Uh, yeah, I sort of cut off myself too. So <laughs> I was I was replying to what Alex was saying, which I don't I, I can't recall. No, do but you you, you, you were like you summed it all up. You're you know like you 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 gave us the the perfect ending thought of you know the fragments being revivified or well you're talking, I was talking about Gwyn's ashes being baked into the bread for oh yeah yeah the yeah. So that's yeah so that's the idea of the uh um the communion here just this, I'll just read this section from the the white goddess again which is sort of this the white goddess I realize is just the uh it's like the guidebook for this this thing um so here's Have you another read one. graves before this yeah, yeah, I read, I read the, I was really into the White Goddess for a while. I read, read the whole thing and, and a bunch what of What about the Golden Bow? Have you read that through? No, or not is the whole it some... thing. Yeah, I, uh, I've read a bunch of it. You know, not, not the whole. Well, obviously, not the whole thing. The whole thing is like, like well, my, there's... twelve, twelve volumes, right? So I've got right, to step away then... for a minute. I'll be back in a minute. Okay. Um, but here's a here's a quote from the White Goddess, which is interesting. Um, so what for the early church councils seemed the most diabolical and unpardonable heresy of all was the identification of the Hercules Dionysus Mithras bull, whose living flesh the Orphic ascetics tore and ate in their initiation ceremony, with Jesus Christ, whose living flesh was symbolically torn and eaten in the Holy Communion. With this heresy, which was second century Egyptian, went another the identification of the Virgin Mary with the triple goddess. And that that's it right there. That that paragraph describes um, uh, Reverend Gwynne's own heresy, like what it turns into. Like his whole, uh, 
it's called like the, the Mithraism, but Mithraism is 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 completely syncretic. Anyways, it's basically like a it's like a it's classical European Hinduism. It's like uh, where you have this kind of philosophy attached to it, like Platonism and Neoplatonism, and then all these sort of syncretic deities branching off of it, you know? Um, so it was the alternate to Christianity, to Orthodox Christianity, and it was sort of touch and go for a while, Who, which which would succeed, you know? So you had Constantine who, who made uh, Christianity the official religion of the empire, but then, I don't know, a few emperors later, you have Julian coming back, and he, it's Julian's religion is basically the same, like the yeah, um, the the worship of the sun, which is not the it's not the visible sun, it's like the the sun behind the sun, the the intellectual sun or whatever. Um, well, so that the the portion of the book I really enjoyed uh, when Wyatt was traveling to his father's place. Yeah, and this, you know, and so the, it is the journey of the sun under, you know, it's like this Egyptian journey on, in the underworld. In the underworld. To, yeah, but then. And then he comes. Oh, sorry, it, I don't want to cut you off. It, I was just going to say that scene, the dialogue is so great there between, you, you know, the father and the son, and then he immediately goes back to New York, and after that, he's kind of a mess. Like he you know, comes, he um. Uh, he goes back to his father's town or his, his original town and everybody thinks he's some something else like the the servant who's a bit challenged i guess mentally or whatever janet yeah. she thinks he's the second coming of christ and then his father thinks that he's come to become a mithraic priest because he brings this golden bull, a bull that he had stolen from uh, from Basil uh, Valentine, and so he thinks he's come to become a, a, a priest of Mithras. And then the town ca- carpenter, who is the father of his mother, his grandfather, uh, who's a kind of drunken lunatic on his own, he thinks that he's that he thinks that Wyatt is Prester John, who's this old king of Ethiopia who's um, there's the story behind him Prester John is he was like the secret <laughs> king of the world <laughs> you know so Prester John's coming back uh, and then and then Wyatt thinks Wyatt himself he thinks he's he's coming back to become a priest um, so then then his father uh, t- he says to become a priest you need to go through these 12 different trials including it seems like the last one is that he would kill Wyatt um, so he had to be uh, the the initiate had to be killed by the uh, the priest the person who's initiating him and then be resurrected <laughs> so, so well, that, was the, that was the point where Wyatt is like what what's going on with this and then there's that massive like uh, the climax that was insane in that scene. You remember that? Yeah, I'm back now. With, with the, uh, the barn with the, and the bull. With the storm and then the, uh, yes. the bull and the bull's about to have sex with the servant. And then he, uh, and then there's a lightning flash. And then, uh, what does he say? He says, uh, Am I uh, the man for whom Christ died? 
Yes. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I the one for whom Christ died? Yeah. Um, yeah, I almost <laughs> wanted to use that. There's so many good spots you could use for, like, an introduction. Then, um, then there's a part. This is a this is a key line too, and this is a a line where Gaddis later on says, "This is the key quote for the recognitions, like the 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 number one quote that he." And it's and it's Wyatt saying, "Thank God there was gold. Thank God there was the gold to forge." And that's after he says that first. After he um, he realizes that the table, which is uh, Bosch's, um, what is it, the tw- the, the uh, seven, seven deadly, deadly sins, sins. right? Um, so he has. So so what happens is that his father initially has the table, which is the original Bosch painting, um, and he takes it back to his his uh, his parish in uh, in the states, and then Wyatt later on makes a perfect copy of it, takes the original and sells it in Europe. Basically, uses the money for his uh, art career in Europe, ends up selling it to Rectal Brown, and so Rectal Brown gets it. But then there's some confusion on Wyatt's part if the table that Rectal Brown had was actually uh, the real original or a copy. So Wyatt, in his mind, he had a doubt that the original table that his father had might not have been the original. And then Valentine convinces him that it was the original. And then he says this key line. He says, thank God there was the, God, uh, thank God there was the gold to forge. Um, so this, it's this alchemical reference of we I think it I think what it means is that thank God we have the ability to recognize the gold in the base metal or the gold in whatever in matter you know thank God we have the ability to recognize the fragments of Dionysus or Osiris in matter so that we can transform them and therefore redeem the world you know Thank God we have the ability to do that because if we didn't, we'd be in a we'd be in a hell world, you know. Um, and then and then that same line gets repeated towards the end. Um, somebody says the same thing. Um, and so, anyways, that's Gaddis points that line out and saying that's the that's the key to the book. <laughs> so, um. It's interesting because I don't know why after this I started reading Borges again. And then somehow it got all tied up into uh, into the beat thing we're doing. But I found this. There's a poet named Jay Perini who apparently when he was in Scotland as a grad student, Borges came and he had to show him a good time for a week in the Highlands. Um, but there's, I don't know why I'm bringing this up. Oh yeah. Because Borges is saying all the exact same things that you're saying, you know, as far as what is, how, you know, there is no time, you know, the, the, there's this, the point of, you know, the, the moment is to try and 
it, it's uh, Nabokov's radical moment, I guess, you know? Yeah, We've, yeah, I was thinking of that one too. Another funny little recognition is that the doctor who's treating Otto in the end for his vertigo is the same doctor that treated Wyatt as a boy who almost killed him. Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. Terrible name again. (laughs) Yeah. Um. The names, though, of course, yes. Like you were saying, did that influence Pynchon? Or, I mean, so is this just a bridge to Pynchon? Seems like it. Like the I I was reading an essay that it uh, there's an echo of Joyce too. You know, yeah. The names. I've had this whole theory since since I first brought this up to Znor that this is like a you can do a through line, but from directly from Joyce to this book to I don't know, in parentheses I would say put in Pynchon to. David Foster Wallace in this sort of literary, uh, influential like conversation that was going on. I think in these these guys' works. Definitely, um, yeah. I'd add, I'd add Kerouac too to this whole thing. Yeah, well, he's sort of an interesting kind of character because he's just his writing is different. It's a stylistic difference, but uh, you know the same attitude just underlying sort of like whereas Gaddis was like in was in Flemish painting and it's classical music Kerouac was into jazz and yeah um yeah I wanted to mention that acid well not acid weed well because I didn't get the impression that that Gaddis smoked a whole lot of weed but maybe he did I don't know well so the if if you think about the time 1949 it's bebop is what's happening Mm -hmm. but Usually, it, bebop is only mentioned in in denigrating ways, and it seems yeah, like that's it's right. all. Yeah, I noticed that too. That it's weird, like old timey show tunes are kind of what is on the jukebox. It's that it's that great scene in Mad Men where Draper is uh, hanging out with the, the sort of beatnik kind of proto hippie crowd, and he's just like this ad, this suited ad man amongst you know, these dirty kind of poets and so forth. And that's kind of how I see, like, see Gaddis amongst the beats. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but, like, because he did wind up working in, like, basically in corporate America the rest of his life. Uh, well, he, he, um, uh, I, was, I was reading about, sorry, I was reading about uh, Gaddis in the, in the beats, too, and he was, he was, like, friends with him. Like, he, uh, like, so Gaddis appears in the subterraneans, uh, Kerouac's Subterraneans as a character and then Gaddis was really really sort of impressed and um, about how sympathetic and accurate uh, Kerouac's portrayal of him was in the Subterraneans do you and remember he, the name of his character uh, Sand I think called? it's called somebody, Sand somebody Sand um, in the Subterraneans uh, Harold Sand maybe I think that's the name but uh, but yeah, he also knew Burroughs and he also knew um, uh, Ginsburg. And then there's a line, one of the lines of the party. I forget. Uh, it's it's a woman, I think. One of the I don't know if she's identified, but she says a line directly out of Burroughs's junkie. You know, mm-hmm. so I think he was 
he was experienced, you know, <laughs> like, a, sure. you, you, you hear in the, um, like in the Spanish section, the Sinistera is always complaining about the, uh, the smell of, of, uh, of Wyatt's, um, or Stefan's, uh, cigarettes, you know? So I was always wondering right. if, it, oh. if they were real cigarettes or is he smoking something else, you know? Well, um, so it seems like the, the, uh, is it big Anna? So like there's the, <laughs> Big Anna's funny too. Uh, is Big the, Anna the also mad the tall Swede? woman? The tall woman. Well, well, there's it's uh it's like a homosexual man, I think, and he gets in trouble with the Boy Scouts. Well, right. Um, I'm just saying that there's there's in certain chapters there's in Spain there's a character that's referred to as the tall woman, or the tall oh. woman and her husband, and then oh, later the on the dog. Yeah, the dog has the a chastity the sh- belt, which I don't remember what happened. The dog gets pregnant. He ends up, the dog ends up getting <laughs> raped by a goat. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> she, she's like, oh, somebody asked what happened. Well, did to it, the dog is that what happened, or is that what? Because I thought no, no, she, that's what happens. He, uh, somebody asked, well, what happened to your dog? And did did your dog die? Basically, and she said, no, something worse happened. <laughs> there was this goat who was very interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, my read I think on the dog's that, name is Hukilau. Yeah, Hukilau. <laughs> my read on that was that the dog, well, yes, raped, but got pregnant or was pregnant with, I don't know. And that was the thing that was worse. Uh, and that. Was that? She Agnes's was speculating mother? that there was a goat that was interested in that it might have been the goat, but that doesn't, I thought that doesn't make sense. But. That was just my read on it. I might be wrong. Well, uh, that the dog was actually uh, was pregnant. That would be interesting. That <laughs> so half. It's weird. Like that. That sort of uh, that sort of uh, parallels the Janet and the bull story. Yeah, yeah. Um, if that's well, a, the rape by the case. goat is more more textually accurate. I think, or more uh, thematically accurate. I think <laughs> because of Janet. Um, sorry. Back to like the idea of the beats, though. So, like, I was, I was, when we did William Gass, I was thinking about that too because his dates are really similar to Kerouac's, you know. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, all these guys, even Philip K. Dick, and I think it's funny because Philip K. Dick kind of thought of himself as the California beat, which is strange because, yeah, I don't know. I mean. The beats were in California, and they weren't like the California beats. They were just uh, San Francisco San Renaissance. Yeah, 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 but you've got your yeah your William Gass is more in the Midwesty kind of square thing, but they're all I don't know. It's it definitely the 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 culture of this book. What the Greenwich Village feels like, you know, it's it's where the beats are born. But the, I don't know that uh, Gaddis is a beat himself necessarily, which is interesting. Because he's writing about the moment in the beat moment, adjacent. basically. Yeah. But, I kind of you know, he's spent a, so long on it. Cause, an independent sort of third party kind of just witnessed like to it. like, And he's captured it in this book and, and ter- in ter- or integrated it into his like schema of the things 
But um, also the like the birth of the fifties too, with all the kind of advertising and Pivner's newspaper yeah. and just taking it like this media wash that's going over everyone. You know, like the yeah. the lives of the saints on the radio. Yeah, the confluation of advertising and as objects of religious sort of worship, unconscious religious worship is totally here. It's funny how that's in Joyce too, because Bloom is an advertise ad man, right? Uh, Znor, is that right? See there. Hello. Did I lose everybody? Here. You're here. Okay. Well. Yeah. Bloom is an Zor. advertising man. I guess we lost Znor. Znor. Um. Yeah. What were some of the other? observations this time around um well uh, i guess what I was, I was i was talking about this lineage through joyce to wallace with gas in between and like infinite jest there's a there's a letter that don delillo wrote um in his correspondence with david foster wallace where it's after he has sent the manuscript to infinite of infinite jest to delillo for him to read it or put parts of it and Delilah said, met, referred to it as that Gaddis book you're doing. Oh, interesting. Um, is it? And he said something like, "It's an interesting mix of like high modernism and and black and white film or something." So that's sort of one reason why I think that it's this is this is all sort of mundane stuff, but uh, or obscure stuff. But there's I. <laughs> Znor, you mentioned an, the anxiety of influence. We could talk about that. Um, yeah, with uh, with Joyce. With Joyce, and then I want to add that I think Wallace with Gaddis. Then, because I feel like these, there's Gaddis is responding to Joyce, and Wallace is responding to Gaddis and Joyce, but none of them want to admit it out in, out loud, and so they yeah, kind of hide it. There was there's this. Um, amazing uh essay that came out in 65 1965 um and i just i happened to download it just to read this um so it's on william gaddis in recognition of james joyce uh, by bernard benstock and basically he did this guy he's, he's a really well-known joyce scholar and he he just goes through the recognitions and makes all the all the all these references to Joyce that you, that, that you find all the way through it. Like I, I was doing that too. I was just going all the way through it and finding all these different references. And, and uh, do you have was, this? Um, yeah, I could. Well, could you send? I it could to send you? it to you. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Um, do you want me to send it to you now? Uh, you don't have to do it now. But I was oh, okay. To, but um, I just thought it was behind the paywall. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, uh, so he makes all these. All these connections um, that that Gaddis, it, it, and it's so weird. Like I, I was reading, I, I was going through Gaddis's uh, letters and looking up all the references to Joyce in his letters too. Yeah. All the time through his letters, he's denying that he's read Joyce. He's only read Dubliners. Um, <laughs> he's never read Portrait of the Artist, and he's never read. Uh, 
Yeah. Ulysses never read Finnegan's Wake, but it's obvious. I like think... I, even before I read this essay, I was like going through and finding all these different connections with, uh, with Joyce, you know, and it, it's, mm-hmm. it's so, so I think what he's doing is um, it's, it's part of like, it, it is sort of anxiety of influence, but I don't, I don't think he's using that, that concept from Harold Bloom. Like it's his no. own concept of, uh, of alchemy. I, I think that he's using sure. in the book, right? Like, so he's, he's, um, he, he's, uh, living through Joyce in a way, you know, like he's, he's, uh, so, and he has to sort of deny Joyce just to follow the, his own, the own, his own irony that he's sort of encapsulating in the, in his novel. So that's sort of a, uh, it's almost like it's his, his last treat for his reader is to sort of recognize that, Joyce is in there, you know, everywhere. Um, like even, this is something that, that uh, Ben Stock doesn't talk about so much. He talks about the first part. Like the first part is obvious, Stephen, you know. Right. And that was the name that um, Wyatt's mother wanted to call him originally. Yeah. And yeah. that's by chance the name that he is given afterwards by Sinistera because Sinistera has stolen this passport of this guy called Stefan Ash, um, and there's something Benstock doesn't talk about is ash is means ash, which is the ash plant of Stephen. You know, like Stephen in Portrait of the Artist and uh, Ulysses, Stephen Dedalus is is carrying this big staff all the time, which is his ash plant made of ash. And he, such a massive part in Ulysses where he uses his ash plant and smashes this chandelier because he sees an apparition of his mother. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that it, and and it's the same thing in um, in this book, you know. Wyatt is sort of haunted occasionally by these as, uh, apparitions of his mother. He's always got the, his mother on his mind, you know. It's you know, in a way, it's sort of uh, his journey to accept the loss of his mother. Um, and in the same way, uh, Wyatt's a, a an artist, a struggling artist who dresses all in black, and he. Uh, he wants to become a priest, and he's got the struggle in his in his mind all the time about uh, um, the mystery of being a priest, and then the the parallel mystery of being an artist. You know, he's sort of flipping back between the two, and he finally decides to uh, take the route of the artist. Um, so there's all these massive parallels between. Uh, well, not only like uh, Portrait of the Artist and Ulysses, but Finnegan's Wake, you can find find all of it in, in this. There book. was something that from Finnegan's Wake that I recognized that I was proud of myself for recognizing, which I can't really remember now. But I think it was something to do with like a mention of of like a sort of public um, exposure, like is what is what sort of happens with HCE. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which in my mind I was like, oh, I think that's got to be. That seemed written to be a, a reference of some sort. Yeah, I think you know, um, Ben Stock talks about that too. I'm trying to think of if there's like a, a parallel to Leopold Bloom in, um, in the recognitions. Well, they say it's it's Mr. Pivner. Right, yeah. right. So Pivner comes the closest to Bloom, and then that's something. Gaddis talks about that directly, you know, and he denies it directly that Pivner is based on Bloom, but it's 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 pretty obvious, you know. Right. <laughs> Which is like in so in Infinite Jest, you know, it's to me it's Hal is is this 
Stephen Wyatt character, the young kind of artist. Even he's an artist and is a tennis player. Um, and then Don uh, Gately, who is the sort of every man sort of uh, character, older who, and they wind up meeting each other. But Wyatt and Pivner never really cross, but they are crossing. <laughs> with other characters and there's so much more density. Well, not more, but like in the characters, I think it's split. Uh, these pers- personalities. Or, or maybe they do cross at the cemetery. Or do they? Maybe they do. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing that's in infinite jest is to me, the character, the father character of how James and Kinsenza, the movie director seems so completely based on, the Reverend Gwyn. They're both tall, oh, like yeah. these looming figures right. of like sort of technical brilliance and sort of they're both secret alcoholics. They're not secret alcoholics, but they're both alcoholics. And then as he's got the schnapps buried in his cop in one of his books. Um, and oh, that's the um, uh, was uh, per- the Dark Knight of the Soul. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a perfect match, those two. Yeah, I, just, I feel like that's very, very hard to deny. And yeah, and this one time, this one time, David Foster Wallace, you remember in the 90s when people would do internet chats as like promotional things, mm. like, oh, chat with your with this person or whatever in a chat room when those were novel. Anyway, Wallace did that once, and there's a transcript of it online you can read. And somebody mentions, asks him if he's read, um, read the recognitions, and he says something like, "I only read it very recently, but I like it very much." And I feel I felt like it was implying that, oh, I didn't, I had, I hadn't read it until after I finished this book or something. It's like, no, no way. Yeah. Well, so yeah. that's fascinating because. So you're you're saying that all right. So the last time we talked, and I made a big point of saying a lot of people think this is the American Ulysses, but it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, like you think that's something that I read and and repeated, and you're saying this is all BS. Just like when David Foster Wallace denied the broom of the system had anything to do with pension, that was also totally BS, and that he was totally into pension all, you know, as an undergrad. Right, right. right, exactly. And this goes this goes back to uh, House of Leaves, right? Like that's a huge part of House of Leaves is about the anxiety of influence. When and Harold Bloom comes in directly, and along with Derrida. and he comes in, Harold Bloom comes into Infinite Jest too. He gets mentioned quite disparagingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, hold on, hold on. Oh, go ahead. I'm just spinning off like Harold Bloom as the uh, as the critic in the party in the in the oh, green yeah. sweater, you know, who gets yelled at by uh, by Benny. That yeah. makes very much sense. Um, but that, of course, that's that Harold Bloom wasn't a thing back then. But oh, he got okay. I found this chat and I pulled it up. Somebody says, "What do you think of William Gaddis?" And he says, "I like the recognitions very, very much." I haven't yet got all through the way through Frolic of his own yet. So I guess I would misremembered that. Um, so just disregarded entirely. <laughs> uh, it's still, it's still another, it's not a, 
uh, an admission that it had anything to do with his his right. stuff. Right. He's just like it's. If anything, actually, kind of like I like it very, very much. It's sort of uh, I don't know. It's telling. It's like yeah, he likes it a lot. You can tell. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I was going to get back to. Oh no, I was, one thing I was going to say, like the. Uh, so the character of the Reverend, do you guys say Gwyn or Gwyon? I've been saying Gwyon, but uh, I guess Gwyn is... The audiobook says Gwyn. So. He says Gwyn, Reverend okay. Gwyn. I, yeah. I think, that's, I think that's better, and I'll get to why well, I think it's better too, but uh, um, he, uh, Gaddis was mentioning that the kind of physical model or character model for the Reverend Gwyn is um, uh, Robert Graves again. You know, um, so he describes in his letters, he describes Robert Graves as like this uh, like tall guy, really, really nice, but really, really shy um, or distant. And uh, but then he could get in really deep to all these crazy esoteric theories. Um, so so that that's basically his model for Reverend Gwyn. And then he I think he gets the name Gwyn from, like I said, from. The, the actual book, The White Goddess, this this poet, Gwyn. And I was checking into, in, in The White Goddess, it talks about who Gwyn is, the poet. And this is a, this is a fascinating part, too. Like, uh, it's kind of blew me away, too. Is that, uh, let's, I'll try to see if I can find this. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, just to, just to connect it with what you're saying, Alex. Um, Gwyn, so this poet Gwyn, Gwion Gwyn, is the equivalent. Um, so the GF becomes an F for Fion or Finn, the Irish hero of a similar tale. Fion, son of Marin, a chief druid, druid's daughter, was instructed by a druid of the same name as himself to cook for him a salmon fished from a deep pool of the river Boyne and forbidden to taste it. But as Finn was turning the fish over in a pan, he burned his thumb which he put into his mouth and so received the gift of inspiration for this had fed on nuts fallen from the nine hazels of poetic art. And it's the same story with, with Gwyn. Um, although it's a Welsh story instead of a, uh, an Irish story. And he's, um, Gwyn is, uh, a, a little child and his mother or something who is basically the white goddess, uh, Cara Dwyn is making this, soup or stew or something from this cauldron of of knowledge and it's the same thing four drops fall on his finger and then Gwine puts it into his mouth and then he becomes he gains knowledge he thrust it into his mouth and at once understood the nature and meaning of all things past present and future and thus saw the need of guarding against the wiles of Caradwin who was determined on killing him as soon as he completed his work um so it's he that is was, he is Finn, you know. So that's yeah. that's the, the crazy thing. So so uh, <laughs> so he is basically if 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 uh, Finn is Finnegan and H C E, then he is also he is Gwyn, uh, the Reverend Gwyn is Gwyn the poet who is also Finn, who is also H C E, who is also <laughs> in in Candenza. Like it just it's uh, Jim. His name is Jim. Yeah. 
Where where did you learn that? Is that in the White Goddess or? That's in the. I just quoted that right from the White Goddess. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and then the and then the White Goddess, like uh, his model for um, Camilla, was the White Goddess also. You know, uh, uh, from from Robert Graves, and then she's described. This is from the White Goddess too. This is. Like I, I can't remember the description of Camilla in the story, like what she actually physically looked like, but it's like in in the White Goddess it says the, the goddess is a lovely slender woman with a hooked nosed, deathly pale face, lips red as rowan berries, startlingly blue eyes and long fair hair. She will suddenly transform herself into sow, mare, bitch, vixen, she-ass, weasel, serpent, owl, she-wolf, tigress, mermaid, or loathsome hag. Her names and titles are innumerable. In ghost stories, she often figures as the White Lady, and in ancient religions from the British Isles to the Caucasus, she is as the White Goddess. I cannot, this, this is the key part, I cannot think of any true poet from Homer onwards who has not independently recorded his experience of her. The test of a poet's vision, one might say, is the accuracy of his portrayal of the White Goddess and of the island over which she, she rules. This was a and book he, that, uh, well, go ahead. So same page, he gets into the, the theme of the book. Like This is right at the beginning. So he says, the theme, briefly, is the antique story, which falls into 13 chapters in an epilogue of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of the god of the waxing year. And the central uh, chapters concern God's losing battle with the god of the waning year, for love of the capricious and all-powerful threefold goddess, their mother, bride, and layer out, the poet identifies himself with the god of the waxing year and his muse with the goddess. And the rival is his blood brother, the other, his other self, his weird. Um, so in this, in this book, this is, gets back to what you were talking about um, before, Doug, on uh, the wren, you know, the hunting of the wren. So he, um, but it's interesting because then it ends with a bird also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that, that, the, that could be the wren also that he uh, – it's the wren and the dove also combined and he he lets it go. He doesn't kill it then. But at the beginning – No, but then – and I almost wanted to end – let's see if I can find it. So, uh, you know, so they're putting down uh, – oh, shoot. It disappeared. Um Lundy, the author that's, you know, writing there at that monastery with with Wyatt. Mm. And so he he left his windows open and the bird was sitting on one of the framed pictures when he came in. This is after. And the other funny thing is I have to say that they mentioned the Irish thornproof trousers. I think they were so many times. It's like Irish thornproof. Mm. Um, anyway, that was something... The man in the Irish thornproof did look a deal. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Uh, he left his windows open and the bird was sitting on one of the framed pictures when he came in and closed the door behind him. But he had already paused to make the notation. What mean? And this is, you know, at the sermon, even though he had trained in Latin and read Virgil, he was trying to ask Stephen, you know, what does delegate uh, et quad vis foc mean? You know, and he... It, Stephen told him earlier, he says, uh, love, 
and do what thou will, or do do what you want. Just mm. sort of a um, very Crowley. It, I thought yeah, Crowley. Exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, but so even though Stephen said love and do what you will, you know this guy is like he's making a note. He, you know he wrote down that that quote, and then he's like, what does this mean? Um, and then he saw the bird fluttered across the room to the other pitcher. And though he tried to fanatically chase it toward the front, toward the windows and out, it fluttered the more frantically from one pitcher to the other and back across the room and back as he passed the mirror himself in both directions where he might have glimpsed the face of a man having or about to have or at the very least valiantly fighting off a religious experience. And so like that, yeah. So the, it's yeah. that it's that bird again that's the, prompting the, the, the religious experience. Yeah, well, so so then he, um, so just to talk about the history of the wren, right? Um, so so in this in in the white goddess, you find out it's and and from Fraser too. Like I could read this whole passage of Fraser on the on the hunting of the wren, but uh, it's so the god of the waxing year and the god of the waning year. Um, it's the robin and the wren. Who are who are fighting, and so the the little verse it's like uh, we hunted the wren for Robin the bobbin, we hunted the wren for Jack of the can, we hunted the wren for Robin the bobbin, we hunted the wren for everyone, and it says, the wren, the wren, the king of all birds, Saint Stephen's day, was caught in the furs. Although he is little, his family is great. I pray you, good landlady, give us a treat. And the Saint Stephen's day is obviously like uh, Stephen and Stephen Dedalus, and then this. This this little chorus goes all the way through Finnegan's Wake too. Um, you can find this. So this idea that uh, the wren and the robin are fighting, you know. Um, so the the god of the waxing year, the god of the waning year, and then uh, his first. Uh, so Wyatt's first picture that he draws is a robin, and it's in the shape of an E. Um, in a weird, like sort of an E placed sideways or something. And he shows it to his aunt and his aunt freaks out and says, uh, any creative work is the work of the devil because the devil is the one who tries to counterfeit God's own work of creation. Um, and so uh, from that point on, he has to suppress his own, his own art. You know, I mean, he's always got this guilt in the back of his mind. But from that point on also, he's identifying with the robin and then he kills the wren and buries the wren and then doesn't tell his father afterwards until uh, he gets his fever and then tells him, tells his father that he's killed the wren. Uh, and then and then that's when his father thinks maybe that's what's caused his illness in a weird, sympathetic, magical way. Um, and then he uh, and then he ends up killing the Hercules, the uh the Barbary ape, who his aunt always, this is a weird part too, his aunt always thought because um, the reverend didn't bring his wife's body back from Europe to bury it in Spain, that the ape, or the, the, the yeah, the ape was a uh, substitute for the mother. <laughs> and then afterwards, when... Uh, um, the reverend gets shut away into a nut house and ends up 
getting crucified there, basically, himself. They find the uh, skeleton of the ape, and then the rumor goes around the town that the ape is actually Wyatt. <laughs> and they can't, and everybody's, well, I don't remember he was that small, but it's got to be him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's this weird... Uh, so the thing about the wren is, I think that's massive. You know, it's like this—that's the one of the biggest things in the, in the entire book. I think you're right. Well, if I recall correctly, too, it, the importance of the wren had something to do with um, Christmas season as well. Yeah, this is this is Earth. this is from Fraser. It says, notwithstanding such beliefs. The custom of annually killing the wren has prevailed widely, both in this country and in France. In the Isle of Man, down to the 18th century, the custom was observed on Christmas Eve, or rather Christmas morning. On the 24th of September, towards evening, all the servants got a holiday. They did not go to bed at night, but rambled about till the bells rang in all the churches at midnight. When the prayers were over, they went to hunt the wren. And having found one of these birds, they killed it and fastened it on top of a long pole with its wings extended. Thus they carried it in procession to every house, chanting the following rhyme. And I, yeah, I said the rhyme before. Um, so yeah, uh, he says in Ireland, it's still hunted and killed by the peasants on Christmas Day. And on the following, St. Stephen's Day, he is hung about, hung by the leg in the center of two hoops, crossing each other at right angles in a procession made in every village of men, women, and children, singing an Irish catch, importing him to be the king of all birds. What's the king? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Fraser goes on about the the Robin, too, like the Robin and Robin Hood. Um, uh, Robert Graves talks a lot about that, too. Like the... But... uh, I don't know. Yeah, this the the that side of this book is just uh, I don't know. I I I wish I had uh, ages to study this. You know, like there's so many connections to be made through this. Well, that's and why that's, I I recommended this to you in the beginning because after reading your blog and your just your meditations on uh, mythology and so forth, I just thought that like this is the perfect book for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> um. So I'm just, I would love to see you go deeper into it. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, here's another thing, okay? The thing that comes up is this, uh, comes up really right at the beginning, the um, uh, uh, homoousian and homoousian. Do you guys remember that? I do. Didn't know what it meant. It's like this... Uh, kind of medieval controversy or yeah, early medieval early Christian basically controversy of uh, of the nature of the first and second parts of the Trinity like basically God the Father God the Son and so the idea is are they homo which means are they the same order of being or are they homoi which means are they similar in in being, you know, so it was a massive controversy. Like uh, the orthodox, um, the orthodox position ended up being homo. Yeah, that they're homoousian. Um, but there was this idea that they they could be similar, could be similar, but not exactly the same. And this is a thing that runs through Wyatt's head 
throughout the book. Like he starts to repeat this again when he goes back to visit his father. It's like uh, homo or homoi. Like what is the what is that is the question, you know? And uh, and he's thinking about this in terms of art, you know, when he uh, when he's copying something or he's forging something, is he tapping into the exact same uh, spirit? Or the same, like he's, is he really sort of recognizing or uh, re-understanding the original apprehension of, of art, you know, of God in art? Or is it something, is it a copy, you know? Is it something only similar, you know? Um, but not not actually the, the truth. And I, that's another, like that's combined theme that goes throughout the novel, you know? Like, uh, like what actually, what actually is he doing, you know? Um. Yes. Obvi- yeah, obviously, there's different ways to take that, and it's expressed in different ways. Like Rectal Brown is just like, a, um, yeah, we don't have to worry about turning uh, lead into gold. It's like if you have enough money, you can. Now we have science to do it for us, you know. Like money does it anyways, you know. Like a, right. That's another thing about this book and Gaddis is uh, that that his he deals and talks about money a lot, and he goes deeper into that in the, his next book, J.R. But uh, the nature of money, and and here it's like sort of closely tied to what you were just talking about the what constitutes the reality of God, what constitutes the reality of money? Uh, God, God or mammon. Yes. And that sort of was something I emailed you guys about. Um, cause like one of the ways in which this book is weirdly relevant to like right now in terms of like the present, um, is, what's going on with like cryptocurrency and this particular list, this new idea of the NFT or non-fungible token, which is like a sort of way of digitally, um, digital ownership of, of sort of a record of digital ownership in a way that wasn't possible before using like blockchain or whatever. Mm -hmm. And how that's become this sort of new form of art, uh, of an art market and like what constitutes ownership. And there's like a line in the book where it's uh, w- Stephen Wyatt says like, uh, he talks about the, that it's all over when he signed, when the signature is applied, when he, yeah, yeah at yeah. the very end, that's what like, that's what seals it sort of. And, and, and that's, yeah. that's the only uh, way you can get busted for it too. Right. Exactly. That's that. So that it's like, that's what ultimately makes like, it's like the claim to ownership or something. Uh, and I don't exactly know it's what I'm talking about uh, in terms of like this link, but it just seemed weirdly relevant to the time because it's also related to money and Bitcoin and all that. Uh, good money, bad money, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. yeah it's uh it's like um it's it's almost like it's two two forms of uh two forms of alchemy in, in a way this is, is how i kind of think of it it's like a, these these sort of rival rival forms of alchemy and one of it one of them is 
is is fully material and, and it's and it's based on the old idea of like a literally turning metal uh, base metal into gold to enrich mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. and then the the wider deeper form of alchemy which which jung taps taps into which is like uh, alchemy is all about the transmutation of the self you know um, yes so it's but it's like rectal brown and and basil valentine represent the first type and it's especially interesting with a with the basil valentine character because he's named after a real alchemist you know like a Mm. Um. And he's a spy. <laughs> and he's a spy, who possibly for the Jesuits, I guess. What that, that's about for the for the Jesuits, yeah, for the Jesuits and the Habsburgs, it's described. And he right. and he's he's sent out to to kill a Romanian agent, Romanian scholar agent, which is so weird because you got you have that guy. Um, Oh, what's his name? I can't remember. It's one of the guys I love. This uh, um, guy from he ends up being working at the University of Chicago and writing about the Renaissance, um, and he gets killed. His book about the Renaissance. He writes about Gnosticism too. Um, he ends up getting killed by Romanian agents in toilet basically he gets assassinated in a Wait, toilet who's this i'm sorry i missed the name or I, i'm uh, i'll look it up I'll, uh, I, i'm spacing on the name right now uh, just, this uh, is a re- this is a real person though yeah 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 this is a guy uh, not a character in the recognition no no but it's so it's so weird that uh this parallels here just a second i'll try to find what his name is i should know his name but uh, uh well, while you're doing that real quick, I'm going to go back to what I mentioned because I kind of thought of my point with the NFT thing where, yeah, in the book, why it's it's like Basil, Basil Valentine says, uh, so when you're working, it's your own work. And when you attach the signature, and then why it says, yes, when I attach the signature, that changes everything. When I attach the signature and lose it, uh, that's the only thing that that's the only thing they can prosecute you for in court. So anyway, what I was talking about was that a like a digital file of a piece of art you can create a piece of art you know create a jpeg and share it and you can copy it infinitely and give it away what is the true piece you know and now this nft stuff is sort of like saying that well the true the thing that makes it true is the sort of is the signature uh is this is the it's like the claim to ownership of some sort that 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 you get from it. <laughs> sorry, that the 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 thing that is true that is the the original is completely ineffable almost mm. outside of the work itself. But it is it's it's a it's an ineffable thing that's sort of outside of the work that's sort of attached to it. Which I'm thinking, which I'm calling a signature, but it doesn't have to be literally a signature. But does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. But so just... it's interesting because we we're such an object-oriented society, and so of course the thing itself isn't what's valuable. It's it's the idea that the thing itself has value, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so if it's a painting, you can say, "I have the painting. It's important." 
and you probably want to buy it from me. And so, like, it's the same thing, like, with the, but like, if there was a there's meme. There's only one. You right. Can't. But if there's, there's only one F- NFT, right? So, like, right. everyone knows this meme, but I own it. Like, right. Even though you all have it, I own it. Right. Would you like to yeah. have the meme? I just don't know if it translates, though, is the thing. This, uh, I've, I've been uh, getting into an argument with a, an old friend of mine about uh, he he's talking about gold investing and how 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 far superior it is investing in gold than investing in cryptocurrencies, right? Because gold has intrinsic value, you know, uh, um, sure. like that old that that old argument, you know. Um, sure. But uh, but basically, <laughs> yeah, it's history. Like yeah, historical yeah. It, intrinsic value. Like you can't argue that. Um, like it's hard to argue that on its face, right? It, it will always have value, but but uh, it's basically things have value because people make them have value. You know, and so that's why that's why uh, Bitcoin and other cryptos have value. You know, it's like a, gold oh, has right. value, and then it has a monetary premium, and the monetary premium is sort of everything that is valuable about it that is not like industrial it's you know it's it's value as money and uh so yeah gold is intrinsically valuable but if something better that's better money is to come along the monetary premium will inevitably decline uh as the old in its questions like good money drives out bad right. which Gaddis starts JR with it's, that's on the first page he's huh. <laughs> talking about he's talking about coinage and the reality of something I can't anyway but anyway yeah <laughs>